Hey everybody, this is David Fournier, Senior Instructor here at the Center for Hebraic Insights. Thanks for joining me. So for a while we've talked about, you know, kind of getting an introductory idea about Kabbalah. So here we are. This is going to be a kind of a shorter recording about Kabbalah 101, understanding the basics and the purpose of our studies. Now there's a lot to be said here, but what I want to do today, instead of getting into more of the esoteric or the technical aspects, I just want to talk about some of the practical aspects of it. What are some things that we can expect to learn and how can it help our life? Because the idea is if we're going to get deep into some study and really start working on some things, it should be something that can help us be a better version of ourselves, reach out to other people, and just in general make the world a better place. So first of all, we want to remember that there's two very specific things that we're here for. According to Kabbalah, we're here to perform our own, what the word is called, tikkun, or correction, at our soul level. To become righteous people, to become the right kind of people, helping the people that are around us. And the second part of it goes with that, and that's to assist God in His mission of what's called tikkun olam, or repairing the world. What we call the malkut, the physical experience, or the physical existence. So we're here to learn about ourselves, to make corrections from our past lives, to figure things out, to become better at being us, to be authentic in being us, and at the same time, help the people that are around us. And here's the best part. In Kabbalah, in our studies, you don't have to be 40 years into it and be the perfect person so you can help somebody else. You just got to be kind of like one rung step above on the ladder, just a few yards ahead, and say to somebody, hey, here's something I found you helpful. Hopefully you can as well. Now, what is the purpose or the meaning of life? For most religious pursuits... Not all of them, but for most of them, finding God is the end all. Hum, hum. We, they seek God, they find Him, they develop a strategy about God, and they say, this is what God must be like. And so we just want to kind of follow this and, and follow in line with it. And by doing this, we'll find the meaning of life. The mistake of modern religions is misunderstanding that how much effect we have in the heavens. We are here to actually engage with God, to participate with God. Remember we said, to assist God in His mission of tikkun olam, to be, to be able to help this world as we're learning and helping about ourselves. It's not just a ossified service sitting through these pre-rituals and doing the same. Even though, even though our faith traditions and our rituals and our practices are important and significant and sacred, in and of themselves, they are there to remind us of our journey, not prevent us from taking it. Next, everything we'll learn about. Everything's at the seed level. Everything's inside of us already to transform and become the best version of ourselves. If you think about an apple seed, and I'm no farmer. I can't tell an apple seed apart from a whoever seed. But you think about an apple seed. The apple seed on its own has everything in it, all the elements to create an apple tree, which in turn creates apples and fruit that we can eat, the leaves, the branches, everything is in the seed, in the seed level. The only thing that separates it from the finished product of an apple tree that's bearing fruit is the cycle of growth. And that's what we're going to learn about in Kabbalah. There are cycles, seasons of growth that we go through. Uh, silic activities that we'll do every day, every week, every month, and every year to remind us where we are on this journey. But it takes a cycle of growth. The worst thing that can happen is to start to grow, stop to grow, start to grow. Stop. That's not going to help anybody. It's definitely not going to help us. There's got to be a consistent, uh, measurable, and viable season and cycle of growth. You contain, you contain at your seed level all you need to grow 
It's already present. And we're going to refer to this quite often as what we call different types of consciousness. This is your soul consciousness. Some of us, including myself, years of religious training and Christian faith practice. And by the way, I, I still support and endorse the Christian faith practice. Don't get me wrong. But, but years of this activity going on in my life, but I never really got into the soul consciousness. Like, who am I at the center of things? Kabbalah is going to be your study and my study, our journey together. It's the study and the practice of mining the depths of our soul and the riches of our soul and bringing them to the surface. And I will tell you this, no matter how many years you study Kabbalah or how many years you teach on this, this spiritual discipline, it continues in my life for me to continue to grow and to learn more and to become better and better version of myself. The key, the key to, to spiritual fulfillment, this is number three, is sharing and giving and appreciating each moment. For a Kabbalist, appreciation and gratitude are powerful spiritual tools. These are powerful tools. Being alive in the moment and being thankful for your food. Did you ever look at a plate of food, you know, unless it's something you don't like, but did you ever look at a plate of food and think to yourself, thank God, say, you know, God, I thank you for this food. We, we say this all the time. Lord, bless this food to our bodies. But if you think about it, this food represents, this is a plate full of energy. And by eating this food, hopefully you're eating some decent stuff, right? By, by eating this food, it goes into your body. Your body draws the nutrients from it. You become, uh, you become satisfied with it. It provides you with the carbohydrates and the proteins and the sugars and the things that you need. And in turn, you go and you be kind to somebody or you study and you do things that are beneficial for your life and the lives of others. But we never think about the plate of food as an energy. That's what it is. And the more gratitude that we put into everything we do, think about it. Like just walking by and seeing a piece of trash on the ground and picking that trash up and throwing it away is like performing tikkun, performing a correction or a mitzvot or a, a commandment. That's what it's like. It's simply making the world a better place by the smallest of activities. But when we, when we have that appreciation and gratitude for kind words that somebody shares, for getting up and going on the job, for having money to, to buy simple things that may make us very happy, those are powerful spiritual tools. And the more gratitude and appreciation you have, the more powerful that tool becomes. But also sharing. When we share with no agenda, when we are just kind to somebody to be kind, when we just... Love on somebody because they need it. When we share our lunch or we share our time or we share our vision of things, when we share with no agenda other than just investing in the lives of another person, we create an opening in the spiritual universe for the good of us all. People are always talking about bringing God down from heaven and, and get God among us and bring God back into this and that. He's already here. It's really about, like I said, we connect with the heavens. Remember we talked about that at the very beginning. The mistake of modern religion is to think that we've got to do something to conjure up God when really, in fact, we just engage God in our everyday lives where we live now. Sharing unconditionally, by the way, this here's another term in Kabbalah we're going to study a lot, expands, sharing unconditionally expands your vessel. And the wider and the more expanse your vessel has, the more your capability to contain the parts of God that he wants to share with you. All of us have everything we need at the seed level. The Bible tells us in the very beginning of the book of Genesis, let us make man in our image. God is talking here. He's talking about a divine spark, a part of him that's in us. 
I talk about this quite often. When, when you think about, I live in Colorado Springs, you go to the top of Pikes Peak, 14,000 feet. This feels like miles and miles up there and more miles. If you chip off a little piece of that and you put it in your pocket, you come all the way down back to your homes, you still have Pikes Peak in your pocket. Do you have the immensity of it? No. Do you have the grandeur of it? No. Can you stand on it and see into Kansas and, and the Black Forest and all? No, you can't. But still, there's a piece of it with you. That's exactly how our lives are with God. And the more we expand our vessel and allow God to fill us, the more of Him comes in. Next, this is important. The cure... The cure is always available for the disease or difficult challenge. That's what the scriptures tell us. Jesus said you have to have eyes to see that. The cure is always of <coughs> Man, excuse me. I may go back and edit that out. We'll see. The cure is always available before the disease or difficult challenge. Jesus says you have to have eyes to see it. Remember the New Te- the Old Testament story. Joseph He's been through all these things. He gets called to Pharaoh to tell him about a dream. And Joseph interprets Pharaoh's dream. He says, look, there's going to be seven fat cows and seven lean cows. He tells him that the fat cows come first. And that you've got to store up your foods because the seven skin thin cows, they represent this tremendous famine. And there was different parts of the story. You see, Pharaoh already had the cure before the famine. He already had the ability to have the supplies to save them before the famine, but he didn't know there was a famine coming. He didn't understand, you need to be saving things for this time. Because of Joseph's intervention and being able to tell the story of this dream and interpret it, Egypt is saved. Jacob comes into Israel. Seventy people are there, and we know the whole story from there. You see, the cure is always available. And that is that we should, te- we should cherish and save the moments of these great energy for the tough times ahead. Think about that. Think about that for a minute. Kabbalah is going to teach us that the cure is available for the disease. So when we're going through those great times together, when things are really working out, we have to look around and say, okay, all right, I need to prepare myself. There could be some really difficult times coming. The Creator is sending this into my life so that I'll be able to make it during those times. You've got to think about your spiritual work and spiritual practice like a bank account. Same thing it is with your relationships. Same idea. It's absolutely the same idea. You pour into love, you invest it. Every once in a while, we're going to blow it. Every once in a while, we're going to say something. We're like, man, I wish I hadn't said that. But that's what it's for. It's to, it's to store it up. Next, everything in life for a Kabbalist is cause and effect. Cause and effect. And acting as the cause is what brings us growth. Now, if every time you said something mean, if you said something horrible to, uh, if you swore in the name of God, and God just reached down from heaven and just bonked you on the head, like just knocked you into the pavement, right up to your knees, you'd be like, wow, that hurt. And then the next time, boom, every time, you stop doing it. You stop doing it. But you wouldn't be exercising any degree of free will or free choice or desire to please the Creator. You simply would be reacting out of fear. You simply would be reacting to the effect, but not looking at the cause, which is how I'm saying something or the language that I'm using. This is the starting block of our studies, is these two very popular things, what's called the suddenly syndrome and victim mentality. The suddenly syndrome is when things are happening and people are just like, how did I wind up in this place? How did this happen to me? Suddenly this, no, it was never suddenly. You were just asleep at the switch. You missed it. You missed it. 
and the victim mentality. Horrible things always happen to me. If you're going to live your life in the effect, it's always going to be happening to you. It's kind of like standing out in the ocean and the waves are crashing over you on the shore and you're just getting knocked down every time and you say, I keep getting knocked down. Yeah, get on the other side of those waves. Think about it like this. If you had a little fire or a barbecue going with coals in it and you reached in there with a, a spade or a shovel and you threw it up in the air and they all went up in the air and they all landed on top of your head. Your, your hair's on fire and your shoulders are on fire and you're all upset when it gets there. And then you turn to God and you're like, why God, why? And God's like, well, because you threw the things up in the air and they landed on your head. See, part of that is the cause. Hot coals on the spade up in the air affect being burned by them. If we stay in effect consciousness, things are going to continue to keep happening to us. Next, we're almost there. All the difficulties, all the difficulties in our life are tests that help us transform into the souls and the people that we truly are at the seed level. Can you imagine if you and I were to believe that everything that happens to us, every person that we meet, every phone call that we get, except for the telemarketer guys, they don't count. Every one of these was something that the universe was telling us, showing us a mirror, something about us we needed to work on, something about us that we needed to change. What if we really believed that? Then we would face people differently each time. Every person we meet, every challenge we face is sent by the Creator to work things out on ourselves because He loves us. So instead of lecturing us, He sends experiences, tests, lessons for us to learn from. Next, keeping our hearts open to love others regardless of their behavior. I'm going to say that again. Keeping our hearts open to love others regardless of their behavior is a powerful way of drawing miracles and healing into our lives and it will stop the tide of negativity in our world. You know, you don't have to have been around very long to look at things and say, man, we are in a really negative place right now. A very negative world right now. I mean, this we're at a time right now where you could open a bag of Doritos, I like the nacho cheese ones, in case you're wondering, and somebody would be like, that's the loudest I've ever heard somebody open that bag. Can't you open that bag more quietly? I mean, you could give somebody Hostess Twinkies, they'll complain about it. I'm allergic to yellow number five. It doesn't matter. You could give somebody who's really thirsty a glass of water, is this from the tap or has this been filtered? Everyone's complaining. There's so much negativity, but how do you change that around? Negativity in either our emotions or our attitudes, takes up that sacred space and begins to fill that vessel we talked about a little earlier with negativity. It's kind of like planting weeds in a beautiful rose garden. Why would we do that? we got to stay open to the idea of love and kindness and practice it. And as we're doing that, we're opening up our sacred space, our vessels, to be filled by the Creator. And it's, you know what, it's easier to love somebody without agenda, to love them regardless of their behavior, than to worry about what they're going to do with your life. Hey, don't worry about it. Just be the person God calls you to be in that place. That's one of the keys of Kabbalah. And last of all, and most importantly, and why we're talking right now, asking the light, asking the Creator, asking God for help, for understanding the lessons in all the situations that you face, even when they go for the good, we should be asking him for help. Seeking help, by the way, is a sign of wisdom, not a sign of weakness. God is available. God is available. Even when we are distant, when we're out of touch with him, 
even when we sin or do wrong. You know, Jesus in the New Testament documents told the parable of the prodigal son. Now, many of you probably know this already, but the prodigal son parable was not unique to Jesus' teaching. The ending was. But it was a long-standing rabbinic parable where the different rabbis and sages throughout the time that they were telling it gave it different twists and different endings. But the story starts very similar. We know the story really well. But the one that really catches me is like Rambam and some of the other famous rabbis and sages. The ending that they put in was that the king, he sends a servant out to go find the son. And he finds him like the one, that the, the parable that Jesus tells us. He's pretty much wasted all his money. He's in a bad way. And he's, he's either a pig farmer or a pig superintendent, something like that. And they use pig because it's just hort to the Jewish people. And he comes, and the messenger comes back and says, I found him. Oh, tell me about it. Is he alive? Yes, he's alive. He's working for these guys. He's a pig farmer or whatever. And he, uh, he said he, he's, he's ashamed of what he's done. And he's too exhausted to come back home. I offered him. I said you wanted him home. He said he's simply too exhausted. And in this one, the landowner tells the servant, go back and tell my son to begin walking this direction. I will meet him halfway. Many times in our lives, many times for those of you listening, many times in my life, we will do things that are just unbelievably wrong unbelievably difficult, unbelievably impossible to explain. We hurt people that we love. We, we, we say things we wish we hadn't said. We act out in ways we could be deceitful and we could be wicked. And all these things God knows. God knows. But at the same time, when the report comes back and says, hey God, I found David. He's a pig farmer. He's all muddy and, and he's covered in pig poo. And he would really like to come back, but he didn't have the energy to come back. God is saying, listen, just tell them to meet me halfway. Our studies in Kabbalah 101 is the idea to find that meeting place. Maybe it's three quarters of the way back. Maybe it's half the way back. Maybe you're farther back on the journey than, than I could even know. And we could find that out as we go along this journey together. But the toolkits that we're going to learn about, as we learn about the 10 Seraphots, and we learn about the, the different ways that we can connect with God, the having certainty, how that's a very different word than the word faith, as we're learning these techniques and we're growing, we're getting closer and closer and closer to connecting fully with the light of the Creator, fully with God. That's what we're striving to do in our Kabbalah 101 class. My name is David Fournier, lead instructor here at the Center for Hebraic Insights. Thank you so much for listening to me. And hopefully if you have any questions, you know how to contact me on the Facebook page. God bless.